When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher, Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. the unofficial 40 with your hosts Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. All right, welcome everybody. It is uh, time for the podcast of doom as I think we should probably be calling it. Uh, Carrie Murdoch here, Josh McQuistian uh, joins us from his studio. Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall are here. Boys, uh, I guess it's time for us to do another podcast. Considering uh, since we have we've been blamed for all the ills in the world since we didn't do one last week. Yeah, I think we should just clear the stage for Josh right here, right? Like play the Imperial March music and let's see what he has to say. And you know, kind of like uh, like the end of a disaster movie, like Morgan Freeman, a president standing in front of a toppled Washington Monument, speaking to the people. There it is. Josh can't hear it, but music. Josh McQuistian joins us, and Josh, help the people. Help the people who need the helping. Tell them it's all going to be better. By the way, Josh, Josh, I, I called Josh today, and it was the typical, you doing okay, pal? And, and Josh probably knew that phone call was coming after this weekend because Cameron Rising switches commitments while Josh is at a wedding just trying to be a normal human being. And uh, I, I was just glad that you didn't leave the wedding. Like, some shithead is going to do that on a Saturday night. Doesn't care about the rest of the world. Don't let it ruin your night. So I, I, I applaud you, sir, for not leaving the wedding. You know, and it, it momentarily crossed my mind. But I, I, and I want to say as much grief as we sometimes, or I, I guess I sometimes and you all laugh about, give grief to Tiffany literally tiffany was like do we need to go like that that was the first thing she said to me and this was like one of her good work friends and this whole thing so i mean it would have been you know definitely her problem if we had left and she the good reporter's wife that she is she got it but i it, it was the die was cast man I, you know and it's one of those things that i always get into with people like what am i gonna tell you am i gonna tell you something that says this is all better. Man, no, this is a bad beat for OU. This is not the way you wanted it to go. Now they're having to play catch-up in 2018 quarterback recruiting because, I mean, I talked to a few people that night that were like, we're going to have to start watching tape. We, we haven't watched any. I mean, then that's, that's where they are just because of they thought Cameron Rising was in the bag, and that's why I, you know, and that's the impression I got from everybody, and that's why I had been so confident the last few weeks. But – the, the thing is, and people say, oh, well, you know, they weren't paying attention. The Texas people I talked to were surprised. I, I didn't talk to anybody at Orange Bloods that were like, oh, yeah, we'd heard about this. 
they were all like, this is completely out of left damn field. Yeah, this like, was a Hail Mary uh, at the end of the game. This was like yeah. nothing. They, they had just written it off as, yeah, he's going to OU and we got Casey Thompson. Well, and exactly when it came the week after the Casey Thompson thing, it felt like, well, he'd scheduled to make that trip. His dad and Herman are friends, you know, that it felt obligatory, like, well, we're just going to do it anyway. But there was no one that thought anything was coming of that trip. Nobody. So, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things that it's and that's what's so crazy about all this stuff with R.J. Henderson and Theo Weiss and Cameron Rising and then the weekend before with. Bryce Bray and Josh Proctor and Scott Pagano, they're not connected. People, like I, I had a bunch of people last night, what do we not know, Josh? What's happening in OU football that hasn't out there for public yet? It's not that. There's nothing like that happening. It's just these situations that have all come to a head at a very similar time. And some of it has to do with, you know, guys taking trips this time of year. You know, Josh Proctor committed to Ohio State while he was in there, uh, while he was at in Columbus. Bryce Bray committed to Oklahoma State while he was in Stillwater. Cameron Rising took the Texas trip to go to their spring game. I mean, it, it's more of that than anything, you know, um, seedy or, you know, these kids know something bad or unhappy with OU. I still think OU is going to have the best chance of anybody to sign Theo Weiss. He just, he, he committed two, two and a half years, or I guess a little under two years, before he can announce or before he can sign his letter of intent. Man, that's crazy early. I wouldn't do that. I don't blame him for backing away from it. It's just, you know, kind of a question of, well, if that would have never happened, I don't think there'd be all this angst about it. It was all just kind of the, uh, it was like the cherry on top when you lose 2019 kids. And I think that everybody, I, I think the biggest problem is that everybody thought that, you know, and we kind of, we kind of look back and same thing happened in, I guess, 2012, just in that a lot of people thought that after winning the second in a row Big 12 championship, Winning another Sugar Bowl, I think beating a lot an of SEC team. beating another SEC team. I thought a lot. Of, I think a lot of people thought that they were going to be able to build on this and facilities think, coming in, right? And I think that they did in a way. It just, I think this this entire week to ten days has really kind of taken the, I guess, taken some luster off of it. My first thought though, when I saw that Rising had committed, if I'm Casey Thompson, I want to fight him right now. But maybe why now, does it always come to violence with you, Eddie? Because that's bullshit to like. If if I'm the quarterback, I'm the quarterback in that class. I don't know. I just. I well, guess that's how it usually operates these days. Yeah, just it's. I'm not weird. sticking around if I'm Casey. Tom. I mean, he he tweeted out, you know, offered Oregon last night. I got. I I've tried to reach out to Charles's father. Uh, haven't had a chance to catch up with him yet to see how that. I think they just want to let things settle down. But it's clear, like, it's not cool right now to to commit to Texas and then have another quarterback commit. Because I'm sure when they were telling Kay, I'm sure they used some of the, you know, Oklahoma didn't want you. Um, they took Cam Rising instead. Uh, so we want you. We, we want you to be our coach. And then they take Cam yeah. Rising a week later. It, 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 it's unbelievable, but I, it kind of goes in line with my thoughts on Tom Herman as a human being. So, How in the world did they do that, though? How did they recruit? two quarterbacks at once we talk all the time about how quarterbacks want to make sure they come into this great perfect situation that's their, for them their quarterbacks must really stink in that spring game i mean that and josh i know this has been talked about but at oklahoma you've got baker mayfield for one more year then you're going to have kyler murray you've got austin kindle you got chris robison i have to think that probably 
everyone and every one of those quarterbacks got a lot of reps in the spring game. They and they all Chris Robinson led the team on a scoring drive. Kyler Murray did some really good things. I think Austin Kendall was probably the guy that you really didn't didn't stand out to you. But uh, I would imagine that yeah, you looked at if if you're Cameron Rising, you thought man, they've got a really good quarterback situation here. All of a sudden, uh, I I think that's absolutely right and. Kind of the point you just made, Kerry, when I talked to some people, kind of, you know, how did this happen? Did, was there any indication that things were going wrong? The the guy, the first thing I heard was Kyler Murray. I didn't hear Austin Kendall. I didn't hear Chris Robbins. And I thought that was really interesting that basically they saw how good Kyler Murray looked in that game and it, it ran them off a little bit, you know, or at least backed them away. And I think Rising had thought prior to that, he was going to come in and have a really legitimate chance to start. And I think when he saw Kyler Murray, he knew that's probably not going to happen. Um, and not that I'm sure that Kyler Murray is going to start, but just that Murray, Kendall, Robson all have a huge head start on him. And I think getting a chance to watch those guys in person be like, and damn, they're really good. You know, like it's one thing like Shane Bouchelle and Sam Ellinger at Texas have a head start, but, I think we know Shane Bouchelle is a he is what he a is. guy with a limited ceiling. I mean, he, yeah. he's a decent player, and he can be he's okay. A guy with a nice deep ball. Yeah, he's never going to be Big 12 player of the year. With any three of those guys and with Lincoln Riley as the offensive coordinator, I wouldn't rule it out for any of them. So, now, am, I, am I wrong in this in that Lincoln – I thought I remember that Lincoln basically kind of just shooed him away, right? Bouchel. Bouchel. Yeah. Like that's not who that's not who I want. That was Heupel's guy. Yeah. I, I actually um late in that season, you know, in Josh's final year at OU, I went to see Bouchel because I figured that's who they were gonna end up with, and Josh was at the game. You know, we we bumped into each other, talked for a little bit, and uh, you know, I think it was pretty clear Shane was the guy he had identified um as the guy he wanted, but when Riley got there, to my understanding, OU, I don't know that they were like, hey, we don't want you. I think they just kind of washed their hands and walked away. And he had that connection to Austin Kendall, so it worked out pretty naturally. I guess the the, the, the next point to go to, Josh, is just, I, and, you know, Kerry, I guess you can come in on this too, is you hit on it last night, is what is happening? And I think that a lot of people, I mean, hell, I even got texts from people I don't even know, like, random numbers yeah like what 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 the f is going on in norman right now and you know i think that even going back into the last couple weeks is just the fact that i think that all a lot of times i think people see this bad news and then automatically think oh god something something awful is happening down there as in you know is is bob stoops retiring or is what what's yeah, like, what, what is going on down there when you talk about I, negative recruiting what is exactly happening or what do we think is happening i think it, it's a combination of what josh said earlier which is bryce bray committed when he was in stillwater josh proctor committed when he was at oklahoma state or at Ohio state uh pagano just chose oregon which i think a lot of people thought he would go west from the beginning the rising thing is crazy now i think with you know losing your entire 2019 class over two days <laughs> I think that is kind of where the Sharks kind of started to get mm -hmm. in the water a little bit and say, hey, you know, look at what's going on at OU. Something's just not right. right. You know, look at all the problems they've had with discipline. Hey, this, this Feinbaum guy, you know, he's out there saying that Bob Stoops has lost control of his program. 
you really do you really want to be a part of that maybe you should you know stop and think about things a little bit i mean i do believe that some of that's going on how is that different than any other time that it's happened though i mean i guess this is now kids, just, they're sophomores yeah. i mean they're the best people to and you don't attack them you attack their parents probably mm-hmm. who well, like you you really want to send your kids to oklahoma right now look at the they just had a kid there that robbed people at gunpoint and i guess from their point of view too is you don't even have to get them to flip at that moment. All you have to do is just open that door back up. And that's what you want to do, yeah. Yep. It's- well, and the thing is, like, you don't even necessarily have to go, I guess, negative in, in the, you know, in, in the definition that we would most think of is, oh, look at this and this and this, and you document anything. Just say, well, you know, that's, that's three guys in three days. You know, something must be wrong down there. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't even have – you just kind of put innuendo out there and then let – a seven you know a 16 17 year old kid let their imagination run wild could part of it be that this stuff came together too quickly that there was too much i don't know that's even possible but too much momentum following that sugar bowl and that finish last year that everybody just thought that sooner squad 17 everything was going to continue and you had rising jump on board you had walker you had this big class you had the two uh 2019 guys and then all of a sudden when there were any kind of problems any kind of a bad stretch for OU there wasn't a strong foundation for those relationships for those guys to fall back on so that when anytime the the waters got a little shaky they just abandoned ship there wasn't enough of a long-term relationship built with some of these guys is that part of the problem Josh I think it is like you look at that 2017 group you know the front foundation Robert Barnes Justin Broyles uh Levi Draper you go down the list and those were guys that were out there in all the camps and they were seeing a lot of guys plus you throw in the obvious bonus that they were from an area that ran into each other a lot oklahoma city dallas uh you know sedarian lamb and houston i mean there was a lot of chances for these guys to run into one another well right now you've got tj pleasure who's from florida jordan austin who can't camp or do anything i mean he showed up at a few events but he's not fully healthy yet so he can't do anything Pat Fields and Jordan Kelly. Pat Fields is the only guy in the group right now that, to me, feels like he would have fit in that 2017 group as far as mm-hmm. the way they yeah. went about putting their class together and we're going to be proactive and we're going to do all this together. Pat is that kind of guy. He's very Justin Broyles. Yes, yeah. he, um, that's exactly Jordan what he Kelly is. is just kind of a quiet, reserved kid. I mean, yeah, we lost Josh. Yeah, we lost Josh. Give me just a second, unless we lost our internet. While you're hooking back up with Josh, I'll just kind of talk about uh, Patrick Fields and that when I went and did his interview at, uh, I forgot where I was now, Owasso High School, right before he committed to Oklahoma, I that was the first thing that I thought about. Was he is an extension of Justin Broyles. He's almost the exact same personality. I don't think anybody is, can, can match the personality of Justin Broyles, but he's certainly close. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see who who that next guy is in this class because I, do, I don't ne- I don't necessarily see a guy like a uh, like a, uh, a a Bray Walker being that type of guy. Bray Walker seems I mean he seems like he's committed to Oklahoma, but that's like a business decision for him. Whereas Patrick Fields, it feels familial. Like that's that's part of his life now is that he's an Oklahoma commit. And like Justin, he's going to make sure that he talks to people about it, brings more people on board. I think. Patrick also is going to be someone that's really easy for people to root for. Uh, he's a guy that I th- he was telling me he mows lawns during the summer and stuff like that to make money. He always has a job. He's always working. He's somebody that just I think he's really connected with the the Oklahoma 
Oklahoma um, culture that they've built there and uh, his family's OU fans. I think he's someone that people are really going to like, uh, like Justin Broyles a year ago. Although Justin Justin has energy that I just don't think anybody can match. And that's yeah. nothing against Patrick, but Justin is just such a, a people person that I don't know if there's going to be anybody like that in this class. Have we got Josh back? No. All right. Still filling. Everybody panic. <laughs> All right, we do have uh, Josh McQuishan back now, and uh, Josh Eddie was talking. We were all talking about, uh, you know, just the the fact that really Patrick Fields is the only person like a Justin Bros, and you don't have a Chris Robinson, a quarterback that can kind of you know close by. I mean, uh, Cameron Rising was way out west, so it wasn't exactly you know hangout time. I mean, the way that he and Bryce Walker hung out on the field Saturday, it was like it was almost like. You could tell they really hadn't had a chance to talk to each other a whole lot, but uh, I'd love to get Bryce Walker's feelings on this thing, too. Bray? Or, no. Uh, Bray Walker. Bray Walker. Bray Walker. Uh, Bryce Bray on the mind. Uh, but, yeah, Bray Walker, the way they were hanging out and stuff, I mean, it was just like they spent a lot of time together and uh, talked a lot, and that was probably the first time they'd really had a chance to bond at all before he screwed it all up. The first thing that I thought of when, uh, when I... I guess I'll be honest. When I sobered up after the uh, the rising news, I was on a bachelor party over the weekend. So you were uh, already drunk when it happened. Oh yeah, very, very. I was <laughs> a strip club too. I think uh, the I hope none, I hope none of the wives listen to this. Uh, but the 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 biggest thing that I thought of Who's was wives. Your wives? No, the guys I was with. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> You might need to edit that out. Uh, the 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 biggest thing though that I thought about when I was when I when I when it fully set in was just the fact that how much Lincoln Riley talked about it on National Signing Day a year ago, how important it is to get that quarterback into to be that foundation of a recruiting class. And yeah. now that this is gone, this is really is this not the first like hiccup in the Lincoln Riley era as far it as is. recruiting? Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't think that it's, it's definitely, not, I don't think it's going to spin into something that he can't recover from, but this is kind of the first speed bump that he's going to have to face uh, since he arrived at Oklahoma three years ago. I think it's a great point about uh, Lincoln Riley talking on signing day about the importance of getting that quarterback early and making sure you get him as kind of the, the central point of your class where you can work around. And I guess the question is now, uh, among the other things like 2019 can wait those guys you can recruit again for a long time but 2018 quarterback that that Cameron rising news is a more immediate impact than the others Oklahoma has to make a decision now on quarterback and so I, I know Josh you put out an article on the on the board about where OU might go next do you have any better feel today where that move is where they're what direction they're going to go now I really don't and I think it's it's a I, to me, you know, and I, I know OU fans will get upset about it. I think it's a credit to Lincoln Riley that he's not just running out there and trying to make some rash decision. Because like I said, everything I've heard tells me they don't have much information on 2018 quarterbacks, right? Now. They're going to have to look at some things, try to figure out who's going to be their guy because they they just down. You know, Lincoln Riley was, you know, what he said on signing day wasn't just, you know, the stuff you coaches so often it was real when he shut it down or when Cameron Rising said hey I'm coming he said okay I'm good and I'm done here and that's been all they've done I you know I know pretty definitively that Spencer Sanders was a guy that everybody got excited about because Lincoln Riley followed him I think even Saturday night right after that Cameron Rising situation came out but I can tell you that Oklahoma didn't know a lot about him so I mean there's a lot of boxes they've got to check he's going to get out and hit the road 
Um, you know, I know I saw that he was in New Orleans recently. There's some guys in the, you know, one of the guys I mentioned was James Foster, the Missouri commitment from Alabama. Wouldn't shock me at all if while he's down there, he makes a trip over and takes a look at him. Uh, there's a lot of ways they can go with this. And frankly, I mean, there's a lot of good options still available. I think Tanner McKee, another L.A. area guy, is really interesting. A Rivals 250 quarterback, number eight pro-style guy in the country. And, uh, you know, he really, you look at his offer list, that seems like a guy Oklahoma could get involved with and really make a quick run at. You know, I, I think what's going to be interesting is, yeah, this uh, these coaches, I mean, people act like, uh coaching staff they've lost it they just they it's it's just a virus that's spread throughout from tim kish on and now lincoln riley's lost it and this this program's going under it i mean i think one thing about this program right now they haven't lost what there is to sell and i almost think that it's like the reason that they started going out to california in the first place is because mac brown had texas so locked down they had to find players from other areas of the country. Like they weren't going to get only, but a, they were only going to get a handful of the best players in Texas because of the guys they wanted. So they went out to California. Now they have more to sell in Norman than they've ever had before. These facilities are amazing that they're that they're almost ready to finish. Now, you, there's not a kid from Florida, from from L.A., from you know West Coast, from uh, you know all the way back east, wherever. There's not a kid, Josh, that you can't bring in and wow with what they've got going on at, at, at OU right now, I don't think. No, and, and that's even more true in California because, I mean, that's what we've always talked about. And part of why I've always felt like OU has such success in California is because there's such an apathy towards college football in the Pac-12 region. that, that They don't, they come that to Norman USC and they're like, this in. is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And now not only does Oklahoma have the atmosphere to sell – they have the stuff that stacks up with any major program in the country from a facility standpoint. Well, and I wonder, I wonder, you know, because this staff does get motivated when stuff like this happens. I mean, they're they're they 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 want to compete. This gets under your skin. I wonder if they don't. I mean, we saw them going into Georgia and making all those offers the other day. But I, I wonder if they don't start trying to turn over some rocks and say, "Screw the SEC country. Let's see what we can do. Let's." Let's and you don't want to turn your wheels and waste time doing stuff, but man, I just I think that they're in a better position now to be able to maybe win some of those battles that they've had problems with winning in the past. It's amazing how cyclical all this stuff is because after Jacob Phillips decommitted, who's really kind of the first thorn, I guess, to start this start the whole year. Uh, of oh, so 20- now we're going all the way back to Jacob Phillips. As the start <laughs> well, I'm, of this. I'm just saying it, it, it's interesting that you go back to that and it's like, well. OU needs to get out of the SEC, or not out of the SEC, but look what stop, happened when they stop stop being in those murky waters. Right, right, and now it's like, well, maybe maybe you can go back in there. I don't know. And Lincoln Riley being in in Louisiana, I mean, yeah, New Orleans. Maybe he hits up a couple of guys. I mean, you know, it, it, they, there's a pretty good chance that LSU. If you get involved with Louisiana, there's a there's a decent chance that LSU lays a stinker this year. Oh, very much so. I mean. Look, their quarterback just had minor back surgery. There aren't any minor back surgeries in America anymore. And as good as Ed Orgeron is as a recruiter, he's never been a head coach that's just put out a bunch of good football teams. So, I mean, if you're banking on him putting out a great team, I, I don't see where that evidence is. 
And, I, and they also did pull Trey Sermon out of Georgia a year mm-hmm. ago. So That's a good point. They're not afraid to dip into SEC country now. And I, I think that point's uh, a good one by Kerry, that, that they are they are fired up right now, that this is a prideful bunch, and that they they I think they take this far harder than fans do. And I know fans are taking this one tough. So I, I think they're going to be motivated to go out and see what they can turn over. And you know, I I don't know what you do now if you're Oklahoma other than – I mean, nothing's changed. Like Kerry said, they have the same things to sell. They have the same record they had a year ago. They, they're still coming off a of Sugar Bowl. They're still getting in new facilities. So I they're guess you're still just, beating the SEC. They're still not losing to Kansas. So I, I don't know how they don't – I mean, that stuff's got to be frustrating when you're doing all those things and this stuff happens. But I assume you just stay the course, right? You just you can't go too crazy one and way And not together. to mention what, what Mississippi's going through right now. Oh, Miss, mm-hmm. you tell me that you can't maybe get in there in Mississippi a little bit right now? Well, and it certainly helps that, you know, we talked about Patrick Fields being a vocal leader of this class. I think TJ Pledger, for the most part, yeah, you've kind of started to see that form as well. That was one text I got last night from somebody, I'll just say somebody big. They're like, oh, what's going to happen next? Is TJ Pledger going to decommit? That would have been, uh, that's one of those things that's like, that happens. I joked with you guys earlier, I might go into witness protection. If that happens in the next month. Ready Adolsel Vic? Might just move to Louisiana. I was going to say, you know, with Ed Orgeron, I think there's a better chance of him being linked to five dead bodies than winning the national (laughs) championship this year. (laughs) Maybe. I feel like he could could be a character on True Detective season one. To me, it's it's all about is Matt Canada as good as everybody thinks he is. Like, I, I think he's pretty good, but... I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, you guys were talking a little bit about the SEC, and while you were talking, it gave me a little time to look at it. Last year, Oklahoma signed six players from SEC states. If you, you know, and that's talking about like Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana. Um, you know, you, you go down to Georgia, like you mentioned with Trey Sermon. So you got on the list, the SEC was not bad to Oklahoma last year. I mean, they, they, they got some talent out of those areas. You just feel like and, they work as Jacob Phillips at the end. Yeah, but that's all, and and that's what you know. People are like, "Oh, this everything's falling apart." You still have two of the top thirty-five players in the country. Like, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Breathe a little bit, you and, know. And that th- that's where you know. And the thing I would tell you, in all likelihood, you have gotten about sixty percent of OU's bad news, like truly bad news in recruiting, out of the way in a week. Like, you just ripped that scab off, and now it. it don't get me wrong. Things bad will come down the line in this class. It's not going to all go the way you want it to. But as far as losing commitments, all this sort of stuff, it should be mostly over just because the mathematics back that up. There, there's not going to be two commitments left out of the guys that currently are standing. That, that, that's just not the way that's going to go. Well, so uh, what this, there's some positive. This program really needs from here on out. First off, number one, don't get any more trouble off the field through the offseason, keep your noses clean. That's number one. Number two, and this is massively, if you want a chance of having a top five recruiting class next year, this is probably your only shot. Beat Ohio State on the road. If you do that and you're working really hard trying to hit all these, like we're saying, you go out and you try and really work these areas really hard, you got the facilities, you beat Ohio State you are going to be now in the running for the national championship. And you sh- there shouldn't be, even a Josh Proctor, who is in Owasso, there's no reason to think that you can't possibly flip that kid. 
if that if you go out and do that. And speaking of TJ Pledger, he's at IMG Academy. If you keep that connection. I mean, if, if you beat Ohio State and you have TJ Pledger there and, and you go hardcore into IMG Academy, that's a great place to get some players. There are multiple guys there that are big time that Oklahoma's in on. And even in the next class, you know, there's Noah Kane at running back. So I, I think that if you, you can go into some places that you couldn't before if you beat Ohio State. Now, if they lose to Ohio State, uh, you maybe go back to Texas somewhere. I think part of the reason they also went to California, Kerry was because Baylor was coming up, and there was Texas Tech was even stealing some guys, and it feels like and Texas A&M going to the SEC became this hot thing, and now all of a sudden, all those teams aren't what they were. Baylor's not what they were. Texas A&M's not what they were. I think Oklahoma can get that footprint back in Texas, especially if Herman's eye is going to start wandering off to California and being a more national recruiter. I think that's a possibility, that maybe Texas is the place to go to. Well, next. that's step three, is to kick the snot out of Texas. Start kicking... Onsides at the beginning of the game. <laughs> Don't even let them get on offense. Maybe do a lot of fake punts. Or if you just want to make a statement, just Bob Stoops just hit Herman in the face right at the midfield right before the game starts. Instead of a handshake, just attack him. I am really Stab interested him. to see how that's too far. I'm really interested to see how this relationship develops because. Bob had been asked several times, like, what do you know of Tom Herman? And he was kind of like, I don't know anything about Tom Herman. Like, he wasn't, there's no tree there, there's no connection there. It does kind of set itself up for a nice little coaching rivalry. I think it's great. I I completely disagree with the sentiment on the board that you don't want Texas to be good if you're Oklahoma. I, I think that's more of just an OU fan trying to dog on Texas rather than... Yeah, look how hard it is to get to the national championship if Texas is not good, especially with Baylor down. Baylor's yeah. not... I don't think Matt Rule is going to do jack squat at Baylor. I just, I really. Yeah, you haven't don't. been a big fan of that at all. I just, I mean, he might beat Iowa State and Kansas, you know, with his ball control crap, but he is not going to compete for Big Twelve titles running that stuff. I don't care. How, by the way, good on you, Jalen Hurd. Hmm. That's that's exactly who you want running your power, your power. He's going to play wide receiver. <laughs> that's what that's uh, that's what the word is. 30 catches. That's 30 catches? Woo. And that I offense? Think that's high. How many arrests? He has a problem with, with problems off the field, does he? Well, that's more of the school he's at. Who's the coach that Stoops has hated the most over the years? Is it, was it Les Miles back when he was at Ohio, Oklahoma State? Could Tom Herman be, the new, high up there, be yeah. the new Les Miles? Because he, he beat Oklahoma when he, when he was an underdog in Houston and moving on to a more prestigious job. Kind of Ellis, there's a Les Miles kind of parallel there. It's got to be Art Bryles, doesn't it? Yeah, That's it is one. definitely yeah. Art they, Bryles. Yeah. They had some real beef for a while there with, with Baylor. Yeah, it, it was never hard to get Bob to kind of not really go off on Art, but just to give him the massive stink eye anytime you'd ask about it. Well, name another moment when he did something like the trophies in the uh, when they did the press conference. I can't think of Bob doing anything like, like Baylor that. Baylor made their little table mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. their championships, and then OU shot back like this is what a real championship trophy case looks like, or whatever. Yep, yep. I, That's I, I know for a fact that uh, Bryles, after the Julian Wilson Mike Stoops game, walked off the field saying some not great things about Oklahoma that people remembered. Baylor put a Russell Athletic Bowl trophy on that table. I remember. It just sounds sad. about right. I'm sad. Speaking of which, well, you guys love the Russell Athletic Bowl. Yeah. I didn't even let Eddie go. Luckily, I didn't have to go. <laughs> it's like the one, I think that's... Uh, they had no media availability. Yeah. Like, it was, it was really just bad. stupid. Missed, and they got their asses kicked. You missed an all-time performance by Cole Stout. 
Oh, that was oof. I'm flashbacks. Speaking of, this uh, really is the dark podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Russell Athbet- Athletic Bowl trophies and people taking moral victories, that's a camping world trophy. Where, where do we come down on uh, on Oklahoma State's rings and the the record Mike Gundy threw on there? Did you expect Awful. anything else? Awful. It was bad, but if you're if you're gonna, I don't care. I like Mike Gundy. Yeah, I uh, like him. That's what I was gonna say. If you're gonna if you're gonna go all all in on just not giving any Fs. Might as well. If you're going to cancel your subscription, sorry, I'm going to say it. I I like Mike Gundy. Oh, I, I the like... The mullet. I mean, the yeah, big the, daddy mug. I mean, I, I would hate to cover him because I think he can be kind of a jerk, but I think that now that he's gotten over the whole... If anything, it makes you hate Mike Holder more mm-hmm. and Boone Pickens more. And I love just seeing him be able to kind of stick it to them, especially after what happened with their basketball coach. I agree. That's still weak, though. You but knew it would happen. I mean, they made Big 12 South rings. They Remember? celebrated a national championship from 1945. Of course they're going to put 11-2 and two on their... My brother was so mad at me. He's an OSU grad. And uh, he got really mad at me because I said something on the board or something or on the radio and people... My brother is, like, really big on the OSU rivals board. And so people know that we're brothers, and they went over there, and like, Carrie said that it wasn't a legitimate championship. And my brother calls me all mad, and he goes, did you really say it's not a legitimate national championship? I said, yes, it's not. (laughs) And he, like, wouldn't speak to me for, like, a week and a half. But he was like, (laughs) he was like, but the coaches awarded it. I said, not the, the the ones that awarded that trophy are all dead. Yeah, it it's bad. I'd love to have a podcast of just you and your brother going at it. I would the Bedlam podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Be absolutely great. <laughs> he can't come over. Why not? not allowed? It's not welcome. Is there, are we get into some personal beef. No, it's fine. He just can't come over. Uh, so now that you've got me completely off my game, you're welcome. <laughs> The rings, yeah, I don't have, I, I don't care. I mean, the refs did screw him out of a win. That play shouldn't have happened. That's still a dumb play call. And they did screw him out of a win, but it doesn't. Oh, you admitted they have the is. same play in their playbook. Yeah, but they throw it to a receiver that runs a route. But still, you should have a receiver in the area. The game they got ends. Screwed. The game ends, even though it's grounding. The game ends. So in the rule book, the ref screwed it up. I don't have a problem with. It. I just don't. So Bob Stoops counted the win in Oregon. I mean, I had a bigger problem when they, they lost made that Big Twelve South co-champion rings. Yeah. Oh, when no. they lost to OU, and then OU went on to was that twenty ten when they played Nebraska, but OSU still made rings. That was I had a bigger problem with that than a ten and three versus eleven and two ring. See, and to me, that's just as stupid as OU claiming that Big 12 title when K-State beat them in Norman. Yeah, yeah. and they, you got that banner doesn't say field, Big 12 man. co-champs either. It just says you Big 12 not, champs. No, you're not champs. You're just not. So, I, And I know that'll piss people off, but that's one of my – I don't get that. Week is week. Like if, if, well, what was weird about that, you remember, Eddie? They did a private celebration on the field. Like, they didn't yeah. tell us in the media, like, we're going to have a trophy presentation. It was like they almost wanted to do it under the cover of darkness. So, Bob <laughs> Bowlesby didn't have to take crap from K State for awarding the trophy. Was that down in uh, Fort Worth? It was, in T- it was at TCU, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it that was that was shady. And shitty. But we all know it's about recruiting. Oh yeah. You can send those pictures Auburn, to everybody. Auburn did Auburn gave themselves uh sugar bowl rings. It didn't say we lost it. It just yeah, said now, sugar bowl. That's that's participation at, at its finest right there is Auburn giving out tro- uh rings for losing in a bowl game. The worst is Kentucky. Kentucky gave yeah, out they bowl rings lost for the losing. Bowl game. Wasn't it the Russell Athletic Bowl? Yes. They lost Ugh. the bowl game. Kentucky's done some stuff lately that has made me think that Mark Stoops needs to. He might not be getting invited to the uh, to the family uh, dinner, family dinner or the or he the. Just gave uh, him what's Jeff Bedet is a consolation prize. Yeah, he's gold. He did, they did something else though that was just like, eh, that's not good. I don't know. I the, I mean, it, I don't want to offend anybody, but as dumb as kids appear to be, I don't blame coaches for doing anything anymore. Yeah, that's true. Because no, they they don't care. They just they don't do it. Nobody fact checks anything or double checks or anything. Just like, oh, you did that. Okay, cool. You were national champions last year. State champions play for you. State cha- They're gonna start calling state champions and. Now the fans care about the state champion stuff. Like I always well, thought it was they do cool because they want to talk shit to cool the person that they the work with. When like James Allen was the running back, and OU beat A and M in Texas and. I think they played Tech that year. Maybe they played TCU. But they had like they made up like state champ, you know, Texas state champion t-shirts and I always thought, oh, "That's cool." Houston did that like, this year. I was year, a student then. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I think so. The Six Flags over Texas shirt was pretty cool. I think that was the 2000 season where they had six wins in Texas. That stuff's cool. Oh, I mean, guys, you know, fans don't understand like how nauseating it can be to deal with these these high school kids sometimes and that's not their fault like I was a stupid ass kid too. I'm not trying to like make anybody out, you know, like they are so much worse than this generation. Like that's that's just classic old people crap. But <laughs> the the thing that like to put it in perspective, and I told you guys this story, we'll leave the names out to protect the innocent, but I literally had a kid recently tell me that what might go into his decision about two schools he was choosing between was who texted him the most the day before his announcement. Who says that? Do you know how stupid you're going to sound if I run that quote? That's it, awful. It just, you gotta, I mean, it, it's bad enough to where the I could see the school that he committed to if that got out going, yeah, it's okay. You can choose that other school now. Mm-hmm. That it, it just it, it blows my mind some of the stuff that these I don't know if they it's the things that they say more or if it's just the things that they do more now. And it, it kind of even goes back to kids that are like, you know, highly four star rated kids or low not, I'm not going to say low five stars but highly rated kids in the 250 or in uh you know with with offers from 25 or 35 or 45 schools that have it in their mind that they're still the underdog and that you know they got to keep grinding in the summer to get all this attention it's just bullshit I, I I hate it they're just so short-sighted it feels like I mean we talked to Theo Weiss in Dallas and he was talking about how he was going to be the biggest recruiter for OU and that he wanted to win a national championship in Norman what is it, less than a month later, he's already de- decommitted? I mean, how how much really was he thinking about Oklahoma and that decision? Or is that just kind of bad? That sounded good to him at the I moment. I think it's part of those things, like, if I say this, I'm going to get more love on Twitter. Right, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yep. it's momentary. They're just playing to the crowd. And I think Theo's a good kid. I really yeah, do. Um, I, I think he's just, he's 16. Like, 
I was a dumbass. Big picture when you're like, yeah. guys, no, you, you, you've all dealt with a lot of recruits. There's a few, like, there's a few guys you're like, man, that. I can, I'll say this. I can only imagine when I was 16. You know, like, it might. I'm sorry, Josh, you're cutting out on us there. I don't know if you can hear. Oh no stuff. no no! I, I stopped. I heard you talking, so I no. I, 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 I started talking because you got. I'm sorry, but I was just saying. I I can only imagine at 16. Like I was a baseball player, but I wasn't. A, I mean, I played football still, but I knew I was going to play baseball past high school. I can't imagine if like back in those days, like if OSU and Georgia, when I was 16, like if I had scholarships from all those schools, like you know UCLA or I can't even remember who all LSU was really good then, like. How much of a moron and an idiot I would have been if I knew, no matter what I did, I was going to have the best schools in the country giving me a, a scholarship to college. I would have been insufferable. And then think about what Eddie Radosovich would have been like. Oh, I would have straight up told people, if you're not paying me, I'm not interested. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie come to, like he would have come to the school every day like with a... Uh, El Camino with a tub in the back of it. Do you know what Eddie would be like? He'd be like the riders that that bands have when they show up to concert venues. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have this in my room, and I want this. Or you can just give me $7,000, and we'll call it square. Like, that would be Eddie on an official And visit. two of like, your finest co-eds. Exactly. Oh, they would be hookers for sure. Oh, I would have been the, uh, the kid that went to Kentucky. <laughs> Is it Louisville? Or Louisville. What was his name? Oh, the, the, yeah, okay. Are you talking about Jesus Shuttlesworth? No, no, no. no. The, the, the big screw-up kid that I actually feel bad comparing myself to. He got all the trouble with Patino. No, 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 no. The football player. Oh. The, football player. the kid that was at the Rivals event. <gasps> oh. <laughs> uh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh. God. That thing we're, we're not supposed year, to talk about? years ago, right, Eddie? Yeah. We're not supposed the, to talk about uh, The kid about from Kenta. No, uh, oh, they had the awful name, and he was terrible. And now he's coming over drug problems. What the oh, hell is that? Oh, yeah, yeah that, uh, Pike. Yeah, Zeke Pike. Yeah, Zeke Pike. Pike. I actually think he tried to commit suicide, so I kind of feel sad for for that part of it. But I think he went to Auburn. Auburn, that's it. And then he, he, he went to like five or six schools. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did end up transferring to Louisville and was there for like a semester, and it didn't. And his problems just kind of fell in there. Eddie would have been, should have been destined to be a Barry Switzer recruit, like in the 70s or 80s. That, that awesome. That would have been his right in his wheelhouse. I think Eddie would have had gold teeth. I yeah, I might. In the Switzer era, you didn't have gold teeth, I don't think. Just for minks and oh, stuff. so oh. many mink coats. That would have been awesome. <laughs> and you would have had a special haircut. Is there anybody like that in college football now? Is there a boss left? Is there somebody who has that kind of? Baker's about as close as you can get. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because we deal with them every day. Uh, but I mean, Stryker was a little bit like that, just yeah. with the mouth. Yeah. It's a very it's a it's a difficult balance, especially after Johnny Manziel. Like, yeah, because now if you're if you're outlandish and you know a lot like Baker, and you have one screw up, you're going to be labeled as a guy that is a troublemaker. Well, I'm sure there were you know after Bosworth, I'm sure it was taboo for anybody to be brash and outlandish yeah. for a while there. I'm trying to think if there's anybody at and during those Nebraska years, I'm sure there was. I mean, Lawrence Phillips like that, or he was just a troublemaker. Yeah, just a straight-up really, bad guy. He was just a felon. Gronk, Gronk wasn't like Gronk when he was at Arizona. No, right? he, no. That was a New England thing that came out of him. He may have been, but who the hell would know? Yeah, that's, that's true. true. 
Tim Kish. <laughs> Tim Kish could speak to the Gronk. You're right. That might, that would be a good question to ask him sometime. If we ever got to talk to him. I've requested him so many times. Uh, let me say this. Uh, you know, just kind of breaking down spring and what we learned. We just finished. God, it was last week, I guess. Uh, we know you finished. And I did have a chance to kind of talk to Mike and, and Bob. And, you know, we hadn't really had a chance to talk to him about that middle linebacker because that was Kenneth Murray's third practice, the red and white game. And it does really sound like they feel like he's going to be able to stay at that position at middle linebacker. Like they saw enough progress in those last five practices to say this is going to work. Because Mike told me he's going to stay there throughout the offseason. He's going he's gonna to be there when fall camp starts. And he and John Michael Terry, I think they feel good about that position. And when we start talking about you have to beat Ohio State, they have to be good at middle linebacker in order for this defense to be. I still don't know about them up front. You know, I still don't know about that that four man defensive tackle position. We'll see on Lampkin. He's supposed to be back. He didn't end up practicing at all in the spring. Supposed to be back ready for the summer. Um, I mean, it, it, but man, if Will Sunderland just comes along, this could be. One of the better secondaries that they've had, maybe the best since the spread has kind of taken over. Having Parnell Motley, Jordan Parker, Jordan Thomas seemed to have a really good spring, but there is a chance, and I know people are going to kill me for saying this, I believe there's a chance for this to be a really good defense next year. How much a year changes? Because last year, Will Johnson was seen as kind of this X factor on the defense, and now he's, I don't know how he gets on the field with the either. guys they have in that secondary. There's so much more... Judging Death by now. last year, I don't know he should get on the field. Especially in the Does Ohio State Does he even State get to game. travel to Columbus? He shouldn't even be on the plane. Whew. Well, that and that's the other thing. Are they going to be able to do this thing where Caleb Kelly moves inside to keep him on the field? Because that's, uh, to me, that's that's a little risky. Not risky from the term of, you know, you always want to have him on the field, but if he's going to have to play some middle linebacker, I want, I just wonder if he can do it. Are you keeping him on the field and in actuality hurting yourself because you're forcing him to stay on the field? I mean, is that the conundrum that they're in? Well, it's clear to me they don't – they he's not going to be a defensive lineman. He's not going to line up with his hand on the ground on the edge. Like, he won't replace DJ Ward in any situations. Right. But if they go to uh, – you know, if they have to go to a nickel – he gets eliminated with the position that he is. So moving him inside is the only option for them. Or, I just don't I don't know if that works. No, I don't or, see how it or works. Or when they go to a nickel, they just make sure it's a three man front. It's, but they're not gonna put him on the ground. They're not gonna put him his hand on the ground. I, I just don't well, see how you they can. They don't want to play him as a defensive end. They, they don't think they can. They can't you can't make the same mistake they made with Devontae Bond of not having him on the field. You have to just find you have to find a way. You have to get creative. You just I, there's only so many players of that caliber on campus. You know, you have to get your best players on the field. But you have to look well, at this. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh, because I know you're trying to get. No, no, no. I, I, if if you go three down, you don't necessarily have to take him off to have a nickel. It's just gonna you're gonna, move him inside, right? That's, yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. You're right. Like his alignment will be a little different. You're right. But I mean, it's not necessarily like he's playing Mike or anything. Well, he will be, but I mean, the thing is, you're playing Mike against a pass formation. You're not playing yeah. Mike against a two tight end set. If that ever yeah. happens, they're going to have four linebackers on the field, or yeah. at least three, with Oboe or you know DJ Ward. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and you know what? If John Michael Terry, I mean, he looks athletic. Kenneth Murray is super athletic. If those guys come along, and you have to take 
him off the field for passing situations, I, I mean, it doesn't kill you. But it's just it it is a shame to take that much talent off the field. I think say I'm not accepting any answer that has him coming off the field. Yeah. Like you gotta find a way. But that way is for him to move inside. Yep. In passing I mean, situations. And, and you're right. I mean, like he's not gonna be the player there that he is outside, but I which which player, which linebacker, I don't care how good you think they may be, who do you think now like well, he's a better player than 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 a eighty five percent of Caleb Kelly? No, I agree, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, yeah. So I mean, I, I know you're you're a huge fan of his, so I know um, that's just. I mean, to me, that's what it comes down to. Is yeah, he he may be lessened, but lessened Caleb Kelly still might be your best defensive player. I'm interested to see how he comes along as a pass rusher because I think we all um, know what to expect from Obo. I think he could be the Big Twelve preseason defensive player of the year. He's going to be OU's biggest threat to rush the passer. Yep. Who's going to be number two? Who's going to be the guy? like Geno Grissom in the Sugar Bowl against Alabama that forces that pocket close. Who's somebody that can be number two? Is it Caleb Kelly? Who is that it's guy? It's DJ Ward. That's not who you want it to be, though, right? Well, I mean, he's, he's, answer, he's, not, he's not playing head up anymore, though. He's playing out on the edge. So he's a guy that now has a chance to shade that tackle when he never had that opportunity. We don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he's oboe, but... They seem to be really pleased. I mean, Eddie, you've been around when they talk about it. They seem to feel like he's made a huge jump this this spring. Yeah, and I think that it's helped that, you know, I guess the only thing that has helped his cause is that they are moving to a different defense and that we, we can't say that it won't work because we haven't seen it work yet. Now, it could be Addison Gums. It could be Mark Jackson if they want to move him over that side. And when Oboe is back, you'd be... You'd be an idiot not to play those two guys over on the right side to see what they could do. What about Neville Gallimore? I just don't. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have his opportunity to rush the passer just from the inside. Yeah, I think he's kind of like DJ Ward too. We're we're not quite sure yet to see what he's going to be like as a three technique. We think that it's going to be but, I mean, better he could for be, him. He could be a guy that is second in the team yeah. and and QB hurries or tackles you know tackles for a loss. Sacks. Yeah, see, I, I see him as a big TFL guy. Yeah, he, he'll collect those numbers. Well, either way, I mean, we've talked about it thousands of times. Whatever they do, it has to be better than it was last year as far as getting pressure on the quarterback yeah. and, that's why and they finding made ways change. to get quarterback. Yeah. Well, two reasons I think Josh can, say, can talk to this. Two reasons why they made the change. One is they need more pressure. The other is it's just been killing him in recruiting on interior defensive linemen with this, this system that they're running. Trying to sell a 3-4 yeah, to kids knowing that they're not making plays in that defense. Right. Oh yeah, guys. I mean, make no mistake. Marvin Wilson wanted to hear he was a three technique. Now he's almost certainly a one technique, and I don't think he has to be a zero. But the reality is, if Marvin Wilson had come to OU, he'd have been a zero in the former defense. I mean, there's that's just the way that would have gone, and that's that's a certain mentality because you know we're talking about Neville Gallimore and tackles for loss. Man, you aren't you aren't logging stats as a zero technique. You're eating up blockers and you're keeping people so that Kenneth Murray and John Michael Terry and Caleb Kelly and whoever else is behind you can log tackles. That that's that's your role, and that's that's tough for a lot of kids to live with, especially a really high caliber recruit that's used to playing for his high school team and just running through people. That that that's just not what your job is. So that that's definitely tougher. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, to me, that's the question with this defense. I, Kerry, I think you're dead on. I think the secondary, you look at it, 
I think those are four guys with NFL talent. Now, or five, if you want to throw Jordan Parker and Parnell Motley and say, you know, whoever wins, wins. Um, but at a linebacker, I think it's as, it's as in good a shape as it's been in probably a decade. As long and, as they don't lose like a Curtis Bolton or something. Yeah, yeah. But at D-line, I mean, you just got question marks. And I think this move to, hey, we're going to do some different things allows you some flexibility in recruiting. But to me, the, and you guys were talking about this, and I hate to kind of go back over old ground, but with um, you're talking about, you know, who's going to be that guy opposite of Oboe. I don't know that it has to be one guy. If Oboe can be a 10, 11, 12 sack kind of guy, and you get four or five other guys that have four, five, six, well, then you're okay. And I think they're, with the linebacker group, there's that possibility to get a couple guys out of that group that could be those kinds. And then maybe DJ Ward does work out. I don't think DJ Ward's any better than a five or six sack guy, but I think that's possible for him. And here's the thing, though. If, if, if Oboe does become that dominant and you have to roll your quarterback away from him, you have to move the pocket on every play, who are you moving the pocket to? You're, you're moving it to Caleb Kelly's side of the field. That's a great point. Which is a guy that can make plays. The the sad right. thing is, Josh, and you said if he can get eleven sacks, I think is that was that the number that you threw out there? Yeah. That's almost yeah. half as many as they got last year. I think wasn't twenty three the official number of sacks they got in thirteen games. It, yeah, it was somewhere around in there. I mean, that's that's almost half of the work that they they didn't have last year. So anything helps. But the thing to remember is, I think what did he, he ended up with nine or nine and a half last nine, year. So I yeah. don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all for him to get to that place. Yeah, his. Uh, I'm trying to look it up right now, real quick. But I'm pretty sure Oboe is not too far behind from. It's possible he could break Eric Stryker's linebacker sack record. I think he has. Oh, I don't. I don't know. Do you count him as a linebacker now this year? That could throw a wrench into that but he's got 12 career sacks. yeah you don't he's a defensive end yeah, he's got 12 career sacks and eric striker had 22 and a half so 11 sacks for oboe this year would pass eric striker i know he's all-time sack list you know what's weird and, and you guys have seen him because like oboe is there at practice and like when he walks out like he's usually with stephen parker and stephen parker's become a pretty big guy but like I don't know what happened or when it happened but like when i walk by oboe now in street clothes i think to myself like I haven't seen a lot of guys that look like that around here lately. Like, like an actual football player? Yeah, like, I mean, like a NFL-type body now. Like, it almost, it's like, almost like he's gotten taller or something. I, I said the same thing about Kenneth Murray after we interviewed him after the spring game. Yeah. It's like, holy but shit. But even, like, Kenneth Murray, like, when he has regular street clothes on, he looks like he's a skinny guy still. Mm -hmm. You don't really notice it until he puts the pads on. Like, with Oboe, like, and maybe he's just wearing tighter clothes. I don't know. But, like, Oboe, like, he's got legitimate muscles on top of muscles. Now, he's more like a Geno Grissom-type build. Yeah. And Geno Grissom was a very impressive dude. Yeah. yeah. He was impressive since, even when he was in high school, though. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. I mean, you remember him, Josh, right? I remember him once he got there, but I don't remember much of him in high school because he was a late guy for OU. But I mean, I, I remember we did a photo shoot for a magazine with him. We went up to, to Kansas to do it. And uh, I just remember thinking like, God, this kid is massive. And what was it? Did he come down? Or no, you know what? I'm thinking of uh, that kid that went to Florida State. 
Oh, Mario Edwards? No, 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 no. Cameron uh, Wembley. Cameron Wembley, oh, who was I'm thinking like of. back then. Yeah. I was like, I was I'm like, getting really him. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, Cameron Wembley was, he was The freak uh, show. Yeah, yeah, he was unbelievable. Yeah. All right, uh, so, I mean, I think that's really what I took out of spring, and if this defense, it need, it better be better than it was a year ago. I think it can be. I think just having more playmakers on the edge is going to be huge. And let's face it, they should not have the problems that they had at the start of last year where they struggled to find a corner and just couldn't, just destroyed their entire defense because they didn't have one guy. Now, Will Sunderland might be a guy that has some trouble getting beat deep early, but that's the worst of your problems, then you're you're doing okay. I think the biggest concern is hopefully what happened against Ohio State last year doesn't happen again this year. Can you stop a powerful running game? Because you have to trust that secondary that they're going to get stops and they're going to give your pass rush time to get to the passer, especially if you have Oboe. And I think Caleb Kelly's great on the other side. If you rewatch that spring game, uh, he made a lot of tackles that even the Mike should have been making, that he, he was all over the place. The worry is, like we've been talking about, that defensive line, can OU hold up against the run this year, which I think is going to be the question for this year coming out of the spring. Uh, NFL draft coming up uh, this weekend. Um I, it is bizarre. I was watching last weekend. The NFL Network was replaying the NFL draft, and I just happened to tune it in as the 2010 draft was getting started. Good year. Uh, it seems like a lifetime ago when OU had three of the top four draft picks in the NFL draft. I mean, just watching it, I was like, holy shit, that actually happened. And it was like a long time ago now, too. It's like I seven mean, years. Yeah. Is. I guess Sam and GK are still in the league. Gresham's still in the league. Gresham's still in the league. Well, Trent Williams. Trent, obviously, yeah. So they're all still in the league. Wow. Well, they're all pro bowlers, I mean, at one point in time. Dominique Franks that year had a pretty decent league. didn't have a pro bowl when he was a rookie? I don't think so. Hmm. He's rookie of the year, though. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty good. And and like Josh said, Franks had a good career in Atlanta. I think he had a pick six or two in a career Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. It was just one of the better. It, it classes just made ever. me think of like what a shitty year two thousand nine was. Like just Sam separating his shoulder, yeah. all those offensive line injuries. So this week wasn't that bad for Sooner fans. It wasn't as bad as hearing Jermaine Gresham was out for the year, then watching Sam Bradford fall yeah, down. Yeah, Gresham and, missed that whole year. I yeah. forgot about that. Yep. It was like the week leading up to the BYU game. It was the night before the BYU game. Yeah. They found out Jermaine Gresham's out for the year, and then Sam Bradford goes out for what ended up being the year, except for that little Baylor game in Texas fiasco. Now, I remember dueling with Mark Rogers to break that Jermaine Gresham injury. I want to say that, did I text you live from uh, somewhere in Dallas? Like, hey, I've, I've heard this. Probably, yeah. I think that was like right when I started working for Scoop. I was still in school at the time. Were you? Yeah. Um, we probably weren't paying you very much then. No, I don't. I don't think I was like officially working at all because huh. I was obviously still in school. Uh, but I mean, coming up this week in the draft, uh, the biggest mystery still remains Joe Mixon. I where he's going to go. It'll just be. I think it'll be nice for everybody that another team has to take the beating for having him on their squad. Mike and Mike will I'm be able to lead with it. With I think it he's going first round. Chiefs aren't going to be able to take him, are they? They took Tyreek Hill. But well, because they saying, took Tyreek Hill, can't. I don't think you can take. What and if they, they do really just double down him. and be like, yeah, we support yeah. domestic violence and any <laughs> violence against women. 
<laughs> we I just mean, don't look, give they a have shit. they have really been like this is why teams don't want to take him. Like I read several art- articles out of Kansas City about what that that organization has gone through just for having Tyreek Hill. Like the the picketing from women's groups and all the stuff that that you know they've had to endure. Like I don't think they can survive taking Joe Mixon too. It's going to be really, really interesting to see, A, who does, and then B, how they handle it. Because I think there are some places that, I guess this will sound bad, but the football team, the football team's going to win out on any argument, I would think. Yeah. Like, like well, Green if Bay. The owner, if, if the owner gives his blessing, then they just deal with all the backlash and, and hope the guy doesn't ever get in trouble again. When do the Raiders pick? It sounded it, it. continues to sound like he they he's not wowed him, at you, but just hasn't done anything to f himself yet. And that's that's half the. And they need a running back because their guy just left for Minnesota. Right. That's half the battle is just not screwing yourself over. I mean, you see the story out of uh, is it Cleveland today with the cornerback uh, from Ohio State uh, being possibly his name being possibly uh, uh, dragged along with a rape case or sexual wow. assault. Uh, and then Julius uh, Peppers just tested positive apparently at the or at yeah the combine for diluted uh, diluted urine. Uh, the the Florida defensive tackle that yeah, just, choked out a girl. Yeah, like what what is wrong with these people? Well, I, and by the way, the Raiders pick twenty uh, fourth, and uh, th- that's right after the Giants at twenty three. Who I've said if see the Giants would yeah. make a ton of sense for them to take him. But the Ra- the Raiders signed Marshawn Lynch, right? So. I don't know how you feel about Marshawn Lynch mentoring Joe Mixon for a year, but those are both North Cali guys, so that that makes sense. Did their football camp together? If that happens, I will. We need to look into it. I will live in Oakland for a year and document (laughs) everything on Scoop HD. Boy, follow those two around. Marshawn Lynch, the one guy that you're just sitting there saying, "Boy, he would not be a good mentor for somebody, (laughs) or an awesome mentor." (laughs) Depending on how you See, want the I kid to... I think he kind of gets a bum rap. I think people think of Marshawn as a stupid, stupid guy, and I don't think he's that way at all. All I know is I watched the episode where, uh, I think it's called Tanked, where they went and built him a, a fish uh, aquarium oh, in, like like in his, his house. entryway. He is the strangest dude ever. Like He is like, he's scared of people. Like they would come in to install it, and he would be like peeking from the top of the stairs to see what they were doing, and they'd be like, "Marshawn, you can come down." He's like, "No," like doesn't just didn't want to be around him. Yeah, social like, anxiety. Just had never met anybody. He doesn't like being around him, and but he had skittles everywhere. They had skittles all over in the tank. God, he is a piece of work. I love it. <laughs> he is so awesome. If you ever catch that episode of Tanked or go online and and watch it with Marshawn Lynch, it's definitely worth watching. They put the beast mode symbol in the tank and everything. See, Oakland's at 24. I don't know if we got that out there. Very, at the very end. It'll be oh. interesting. Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm completely blind on their needs right now, but I would think that even though with Lynch, they, a running back is still high on their board. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you don't know what's going to – I mean, longevity, you, you might get two years out of them if you're, if you're lucky. Obviously, yeah, that's I mean, what the you Saints don't know what you're going to get. He's been out of the game. People don't understand. Like, that's incredibly hard to do. I don't care how good you are. And as flaky not- as he is, how do you know he's just not going to play a couple games and go, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and retire. Yeah, yeah I already have the money. for me. Exactly. I mean, the guy's – everything you read, he's taken very good care of his money. So this is not a I went broke thing. Mm-hmm. On the teams that are talking about Joe Mixon, you, you hear this like, oh, he's not on our draft board. And 
this is my thing about this. If you have a stance as a team, we do not select players who have hit women. Period. I don't care if it's domestic violence. I don't care if you had a bar. That is our stance. Then make that public. This is like individual by individual base. Oh, Joe Mixon's off our board. Oh, the Chiefs can't draft him because they took Tyreek Hill a year ago. So I guess their quota was met. It's a bad met. business decision because then if they know that, then they know they don't have to trade. You know, you might not take a guy, but you might be able to get some picks because another team thinks you want him. But if it's a moral decision, then make it a moral decision. This moral relativism, where it just seems like a PR move. I just I can't buy it. I, I can't take teams seriously. But if you say, you know what, this is our rule. We live by it. And even if... You know, if, if the Patriots, it's their rule. If Tom Brady hits Giselle, boom, he's off the team. I don't care who it is. Well, the Rockets are doing bench drinking night tonight, so, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, it's their celebration to alcoholism. Better than crack. Oh, they'd probably do that if they could get it for a dollar. Beverly is just high in they the corner. They could get people to show up early. What, what, Josh, what is, uh, has anybody else been surprised about the, uh, I guess not surprised is the best wording, because I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but... The Patrick Mahomes love has it always seems like there's every year there's a guy that skyrockets his draft stock, everything goes good for him, and then he gets drafted in the middle of the round, middle of the first round, and that surprise player of the year. Is Mahomes really that guy? I mean, I I obviously think that he has a really good arm. Uh I mean, just look at what he did against OU, but very shoulder problems and elbow problems he's had though. It's kind of weird. Nobody talks I, about yeah, that. Yeah, it is weird. I saw someone the other day, and I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was somebody you know I, I take seriously. They said that they thought he had the most arm talent of any quarterback since Aaron Rodgers to come out and come into the draft. That's that's amazing to think about. I mean, like you know, you're talking guys like Andrew Luck. You know, you go down the list. Even last year, Paxton Lynch. Whatever else you want to say about Paxton Lynch, that dude can make every throw in yeah, his he sleep. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, so you know th that's. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you guys know I'm an NFL draft junkie, but I think Mahomes is one of those guys that just like a few others before him, like Steve McNair, like Aaron Rodgers, if they'll give him a year or two to sit and learn and become an NFL quarterback and not try to throw him out there when he's not ready, like which to me is what ruined Robert Griffin's career. Mm -hmm. I, I think if they'd given Robert Griffin time to grow instead of just like, well, we're going to stick him in this offense. It's pretty much what he ran at Baylor, and he'll earn nothing his first year in the NFL. That then, yeah, he'll fail. But if they'll, I like the. I'm looking at Peter King's mock right now, and he's got him going 27 to Kansas City. Let him go sit for a year or two behind Alex Smith. Yeah, that that could be a really good fit because God knows everybody in Kansas City is going to fall over themselves to get rid of Alex Smith. The 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 sin of being the number one draft pick. It it never gets old. Like. I will argue to the day that I die that as much as being the number one pick is awesome, there's nothing wrong with going at the end of the first round to a to a franchise that has a good offensive line that you can learn the system of being in the NFL and not being just thrown into the wild. Because, I mean, it can absolutely – like you're, you're right, Josh. It can kill a quarterback. Todd, 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 Todd. Sorry, we had to play Todd, Todd, Todd. <laughs> there's going to be, there's so much. I heard the first, the first bit of it, so I was like, oh, it's the Todd thing. I got to stop. I gotta, I'm going to listen. The, the thing about like Rogers' arm talent in that draft, he wasn't the first quarterback taken. It was as he's talking about this number one overall pick thing. It was Alex Smith. Alex Smith was the number one overall quarterback, and his career in San Francisco always had that hanging over his head of, hey, you were the number one overall pick. You kind of have to live up to that. You're never really judged on your own merit, you're always judged against the number one overall pick. So uh, it, I don't think that either of these, any of these quarterbacks in this draft are worthy. Can you believe that? Josh, do you think tr the Trubisky stuff, where do you stand on him? I don't, 
I don't see it. I don't understand it really. I think he's a good quarterback, but I don't. This number one overall stuff is he's blowing my pretty. Mind. I mean, he looks good, but he just like for me to say. I'm sorry, I'm not Josh, but I I I, I wanted to weigh in on this. I have never seen him throw a ball where I'm just like. That's not that's impressive. I mean, like, every time he throws a ball, I'm like, that's really impressive. And I see him run around, I was like, that's really impressive. But he only played a year at North Carolina, and I saw Deshaun Watson put up more points against Alabama than any other team in college football the last two years. I just that part of my that part of my brain that just cannot come to grips, and that's why I'm not an NFL talent evaluator, but that part of my brain can't come to grips with the fact that Deshaun Watson's done more. And proven it against really, really yeah. good teams. Yeah. I I couldn't be more scared if I'm an NFL GM of these two quarterbacks. Not because, like, there's, there's such a way to be wrong on both of them. Like, Trubisky, like Kerry said, there's not a lot of tape to watch. There's not a lot of experience. But, man, what you see, you really like. Like, I, I, I get it. Now, he's a little bit undersized, but, you know, he it, it, I don't think that's a huge knock on him, but he's a pocket quarterback, so it's not like Deshaun, who's basically the same size, but can throw from all these different points. Uh, Trubisky's going to be a guy that sits back there, so that that's a little scary. And to me, his situation reminds me a lot of Mark Sanchez. Like, everybody wanted it to work. He had that one great year. And then everybody said, boy, if he'd have waited a year, he could have been the guy. But now he went early, and nobody wants to run the risk of, well, maybe he actually is the guy, but we're just going to have to deal with it for a year. You know, he's going to be behind where he would have been next year. So that's a little scary. And Deshaun Watson, as much as I think of him as a college player, he's got some holes, man. I mean, his interceptions were terrible this year. You go back and watch that Auburn game, he was awful. You know, I I just – I don't know – there's things that scare me so much about him, and I love that he's a gamer, and I love all that stuff, but how many guys have we had that conversation with, oh, man, he was a great college player. Yeah, man, there's a lot of great college players, you know, working at, you know, their local car dealership. You know, that that's not, that doesn't do it, and I just, he scares me. I, I Both of those guys, if I could avoid it at all, I wouldn't touch them. <laughs> Part of that's got to be a little bit of overexposure, though, right? We've seen Deshaun Watson a million times, so we all kind of know his flaws. We know what his limits are. Guys that are new and come out of nowhere, they, they tantalize us. They, they tap into this, ooh, what could be? And Deshaun Watson, we've seen so much, we know where his holes in his game are, as you said. So I, it, that is – I mean, I, I think back to the Elway to Marino, that NFL 30 for 30, which I just loved. And as you go through it, there's no real – set list there's no check mark to go through okay this guy has this because you know John Elway didn't win a lot of games at Stanford but he was the best guy in that draft and they talked about how Dan Marino's stats plummeted his senior year but you know he turned out to ha- be the most productive quarterback in NFL history when he retired so I you and I think Todd Blackledge actually went ahead of Dan Marino in that draft and the 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 logic behind this stuff it kind of almost changes from year to year and it almost seems to me that the best guys are the ones that fit with the right coach. It just It's about that. If the, that guy fits with the coach and the team, that's when they really take off. It's not so much necessarily about what the guy has. It's about the fit of the team. You know, does that make sense? It, it, would, would, would Peyton Manning have been Peyton Manning in everywhere, or is he going to be Peyton Manning because he was with the Colts? And, with, and then Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne? Or, I with, mean, Sam Bradford's a perfect example of that. I mean, he was great. Early in his career, when his offensive line held together, and then he then it became absolute trash for about five years, 
And then last year, it was trash. But it was before it fell apart. He was a really good quarterback. Throwing it down the field. And what's his name from Maryland looked really good? Stephon Diggs. Yeah, they just they couldn't get off the field on third down. Their defense killed them on the back end of the schedule. But, I mean, he's a guy – I mean, he's the perfect example of that you've got to have at least an offensive line in this league to have any success as a quarterback. I mean, I, we, we say this all the time. It seems like we say this every time we talk about the draft every year. Like, Andrew Luck, to me, is the perfect example of a guy that's got all the tools in the world. He just had, you know, capable people in front of him in a run game. He could lead a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know. You know, anger Josh. <laughs> I'm just trying to get Josh. Why are you trying to get Josh? I'm just trying to get Josh riled up. Like you know, I haven't had enough this week. <laughs> you don't deserve it. The uh, the one thing I will say about Patrick Mahomes, if he's going to be like uh, a Steve McNair type guy, stay out of Dave and Buster's, buddy. I don't get it. Isn't that where D- Steve McNair met the his? Uh, Is that where he met the chick that killed him? Yeah. I didn't know that. I never went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Do they show fatal attraction to all the players coming in before the combine? I don't know, but they should show them the program. I just wonder if Pat Mahomes is going to be able to stick to a a system and not try and do a bunch of stupid stuff that's going to get him killed. That's another thing that happened to RG3 that derailed his career. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's you look at Rodgers. That was a great thing about like he still ad libs. He still has that in his game. But you can tell that they t- like worked with him on know your moment. You know, pick pick your time in the first quarter. You don't need to scramble on third and eight to get that extra yard. Man, step out. We'll punt it. It's fine. That's that's what Baker Mayfield has gotten. I think really when he's at his best is when he knows those moments when to kind of do those Baker Mayfield, Brett Favre types of plays. When he's at his worst are in games like Houston or Ohio State when you can tell he's just, no matter what, he's going to try to force something amazing to happen. And that's when it's not there. That loss at Texas was a good example. Yep, when he's just trying to force it every time. and not all, I mean, those plays can happen, and Baker Mayfield's really good at them, like Aaron Rodgers was, like a guy like Brett Favre is or was. But it's about allowing them and knowing that feel for the game to happen. And to bring it back to I think that's what Mayfield has and why the quarterback position is so important and why quarterbacks are getting taken first overall and guys like the running backs are falling into the second like Derrick Henry. Something Carrie and I were talking about a little bit before the podcast is what's happened to running backs? Nobody cares about running backs anymore. The value of running backs is plummeting. And you have guys like Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan who, I mean, I'm, Joe Mixon's personal stuff make it a little more difficult to judge, but Samaj P. Ryan probably is going to go in the third round and he's the all-time leading rusher in Oklahoma history. <laughs> It, it, it kind of just goes without mentioning, but that's just been the way that Samaj P. Ryan's whole career went yeah. at OU. Is that Here's he, the, yeah, and it, it would be he apropos, was in the shadow. It'd be apropos if he ends up being a star next year in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you why he has a chance. And this is something I, I talked to coaches about last week. I'm going to write something about it leading up to draft day. But you think about it, Samaj P. Ryan, name me another big back like Samaj P. Ryan that you could keep on the field in third down situations. Michael Turner back in the day is kind of the example I go to. But even in college, can you really think of a whole lot of those guys? I mean, that abomination of a running back they had for Auburn couldn't. Could Foreman? Dante Foreman kind of could. In the modern, in the modern football. But there's not a whole anybody. lot of guys like no. Samaj P. Ryan. And I think that will be something that really... I mean, people talk about third round, fourth round. I think that's the thing that, that probably puts him in third round. 
He's a bigger Maurice Jones-Drew. I think he's... I mean, look how much that's killing Adrian Peterson's career right now. The fact that you can't use him on third downs. Yeah, and that's probably why he had to settle to sign with New Orleans. I mean, it. Yeah, it's not. let's not act like Adrian Peterson had a whole lot of options to sign with. He thought he was going to have a lot of options. And as it turned out, there was none. Oh, I'm so shrimp rich. Now he's in New Orleans, shrimp rich. <laughs> uh, Dude, I heard that audio. Okay, wow. Hey. We must have fixed something. We know what we're doing. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, a, I mean, to settle for $3 million and basically yeah. he's got a two-year deal. He wants to play for a year and prove to people that he's still Adrian Peterson and then go get $10 million next year. Seems like a weird. I felt like he would go to more of a Super Bowl contender. I just felt well, he like. He wanted to, like, a bit like, like we're talking about. There's not a lot of options. Yeah. I'd, I want to go to the Masters and play in it next year, but. <laughs> Nobody's inviting me. That's just that's crazy. Not not. I mean, it's crazy in the sense of, you know, what's what's happened to him. He was an MVP a couple of years ago. I mean, he led the Vikings to the playoffs with nothing on that team, and now you know, a couple of years later, what is he now? 32, 33? 32. It's the nature of that position, yep. guys. He could run for twelve hundred yards next year, and he won't get ten million dollars. He won't. Yeah, that, that won't happen. Uh, and I, I, that's. God, that's got to be tough for a guy like that who's, you know, a future Hall of Famer to face that. Yeah, what did he have, $12 million a year on the table with Minnesota, and they said we're not going to redo the deal. We're not going to – we're opting out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers yep. are more valuable than running backs now. Right? You'd rather have a guy like Antonio Brown than a top-tier running back. You you want that top receiver, right? Is that I think receivers have overtaken running backs. All the money – quarterback is where all the money well, goes right. first. But, yeah, receivers, defensive backs, linebackers – well, not even offensive linebackers linemen. anymore, but offense. Yeah, tackles. I mean, yep. I mean, just yep. look at look at what New England's done. Have they ever had a running back up there that is just no? They've a had a guy that everybody it's like wanted. Garrett Blount, who Corey Dillon. probably couldn't get exactly. a job anywhere else. Kevin exactly. Falk, Sammy Morris. Yeah, Kevin Falk. Uh, last thing we, I want to talk about before we get out of here, and we're running a little long, but uh, the drop of Dede Westbrook. I don't think the whole thing since Dede had his pro day. Like, I have never heard one, never read one story, heard one piece of news that said the following. Dee Westbrook is really impressing people. Like, there has not been one shred of positive news about Dee Westbrook. Really, since the, the end of the season. I mean, not going to the Senior Bowl, not working out the Combine, f- basically falsifying his 40 times... Coming out of OU's yeah. Pro Day, which was bizarre. Because they were already good. It, and it was like, it started out at like 4-2-8, and then all of a sudden it's like 4-2-2. Two, two, and it's like, dude, there were 32 teams there. They know you ran a 4-3-8 or whatever it was. He cannot quit. I don't know if it's lying to himself, lying to others. Like, there's a common theme of lying. He has idiot agents. And all of every, every happening of D.D. Westbrook, there's a common thread of lying. And I think just signing up with Young Money... And, you know, them not being adequately staffed to even negotiate an NFL contract, which I've heard is part of it. Uh, they, have to, they have to... I've been told that, that Young Money has to... Not freelance, but basically... Outsource. Outsource. Uh, so they can get someone that's, that's approved by the NFL to negotiate contracts. It's, it's mind-blowing is what it is on how stupid the decision-making process is for D.D. Westbrook. 
I was checking out a mock draft before the podcast, working on something before the draft uh, this week. George Kittle was projected to go in the fourth round. Norman High's own. And D.D. Westbrook was projected to go in the fifth round. That's amazing. I've seen Kittle in the third. That's kind of he that's, had a great combine. Really, he great tore combine. it up. Yeah, and you you watch that kid on tape. That dude is a blocking machine. Like he is, he's not your flex out tight end. That dude will line up and kill some people. He he's he's really good. He like, is. Like, he, and he, here's why I'm rooting for George Kittle. Like I'm sitting there watching the combine, and I and I see him run his time, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, and I just typed in like. Norman Highs, George Kittle just runs a four five five or whatever. I think it was a four five five. Uh at the NFL Combine. Like not less than an hour later, he retweets it. Like I didn't even tag him. He just went and Twitter searched George Kittle just to see what people were saying about it, which is total baller. If I ran a four five five, I'd do the same thing. I just can't believe that I had this like image of George Kittle when I saw him at Norman High School. He was skinny and yeah. tall. So skinny, yeah. so tall, so not unathletic, but just he was, he, I mean, he was a nice receiver. He's Charlie yeah. Kolar, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking, Joe. And he became, I mean, like, Iowa's strength coach, I think, is the second highest strength coach in the country, and I can see why now. Yeah, he is. He is the second highest paid. Behind Alabama well, or something? I think so. I think Look what right. they do with those offensive linemen. Every two or three years, they've got a top ten offensive lineman that was a nobody in high school. Yeah. They do a great job. The Kirk Ferentz They just way. don't recruit a lot of kids. And they just don't win a lot beginning. of games. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they just don't have the like, skill guys. I mean, their offense people is want to complain about recruiting to Oklahoma from the state of Oklahoma. Try Iowa from the state of Iowa. That's, yeah. that's murderer's row, man. That's tough. Well, and it's like their offense literally looks like Chuck Long is still in it. <laughs> I mean, it is the most archaic offense. It's so boring to watch their games. Drop back. Two and a half yards in the cloud of dust. Oh. So boring, but it, it that kind of style of play doesn't it doesn't get them to ten and two. But it, what it does do is once or twice a year they pop up and beat somebody they shouldn't because they're not. They used to played for the Big Ten championship yep. last year, didn't they? No, two years. They ago. just beat Michigan State. Yeah. Yep. They uh, no Michigan State beat Iowa. Let's be real clear about that. Um, but, oh God, I forgot about your dual citizenship. <laughs> Indeed, Jeff Smoker till the day I die. So. By the way, I want to finish this off by uh, mentioning this. Eddie, uh, someone of prominence came up to me after practice the other day, uh, the final OU practice, and said, that's not true that Eddie actually married somebody, is it? And I was like, wow, this person listens to our podcast. That's kind of scary. I can't say who it is, but... We and had a Eddie married somebody? A coach? I won't say. Okay. Well, that that no, that, that Eddie, no means Eddie, yes. Eddie, Eddie officiated. officiated a wedding. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was still thinking. Yeah, like no, he like didn't a, marry someone. Like he didn't take gotcha, a wife. Gotcha. I keep messing that up. Husband. Yeah, that's me. It'd be a wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, would she work at Sugars? Uh, no, she might work at Diamonds in Denver, though. Okay, now you're really getting people in trouble. Um, <laughs> but no, they were fascinated by the fact that you actually married a couple of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I was didn't believe it. I was related to one, so it. We mentioned that it was your cousin. Yeah, and they're going strong still, right? They got the absolutely the Eddie bump. I'm gonna see them. Uh, I'm gonna see them here in about two weeks at another wedding that I will not be officiating, just attending. I had to pass a background check to go to this one. What really? It's on a military base. Oh, okay. Ooh. 
And you passed? Or do you know yet? Uh, yeah, I, I'm still supposed to be going, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing I have. Josh, any uh, Laney revelations lately? Any new new uh, new life experiences with your with your daughter? Yeah, yeah, we're going through swim classes right now, and we're having to do them in the mornings. Uh, we kind of had to sneak in because she's starting a little behind some of the girls in her age group with the the trainer we're going through, and so we're having to do them in the morning. So I take her twice a week before school to this class. And then we go on to school. Well, Lainey loves the water. She's a swimmer. She likes being out in it. We put her little float jacket on her, man, and she'll just swim all day. She loves it. She does like a little less putting her head under the water. So I go to this class, and, like, I have to sit outside of the, like, the pool area, and there's kind of windows where I can look through. And I pretty much listen to my daughter cry daddy for about 30 minutes because this (laughs) woman keeps dunking her head under the water, and she is pissed. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's, it's Why won't and you it's save sad. me? Because she's so good. Like the lady, you said like, that this so is good. something she like I ask her to. You said that you told me this is something that your wife forces you to do. Like she will not sit there for thirty minutes while someone drowns your daughter. I, you know, to say that she makes me do it is a, it would be wrong, but there is no question that once, like the first class, Tiffany was kind of interested in, and then I told her how it went, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't have to be at that." So, you know, it, it's much for the better that she has to be at work anyway, and I can take her to the class, and she cries and screams, "Daddy!" And then once the thirty minutes is over, she's fine. So, like, it, but I mean, it is like it's jarring to watch your kid, like. There's this lady that I've literally known for three days now at half an hour increments who puts the, her hand on the back of my kid's head and dunks her little butt in the pool and like holds her under and makes her swim for an inordinate amount of time. Like it's it's weird. Like it, there is a weird sensation with that. But at the same time, like she's teaching her to grab the walls and like so. You know, my in-laws have a pool, so if she fell in, she can be safe. And there, there's all these good reasons to do it. But I won't lie that you're like. That, that's my two-year-old, you know, borderline being drowned out there right now. It is kind of nice to know that there is a place in the world where people treat, you know, children like they did 50 years ago. Indeed. Which is just like, you know, throw them outside with a bunch of dogs and tell them to run. Just give it time. There will be some soft parent that tries to sue swimming classes because they don't like how they... That, I mean, to me, that's truly amazing. Like, there's a woman that drowns your child temporarily... Is that not how and you guys forces her to? That's how I, I remember going to swim class when I was little. Yeah, they they drowned, me. and That's it was early in the morning. Um, but it was like, I mean, they would tell us to go under. I never, I never really had a problem going underwater. Like I went all the way through lifeguard school. I remember my mom freaking out about it that she didn't want to dunk me. But yeah, that's what they do. They ha- you dunk a kid. Have we had the conversation that that? This guy was a pretty accomplished swimmer as a little guy. Like, I mean, went to state championships and stuff. That you were? I think we've yeah. talked about that like, before. I was a really, I, I don't like, I don't want to say like really special, but like I did like some borderline junior national stuff. Interesting. I, mean, I don't yeah. remember having that. And then I grew into a football player's body and that all left. One, like you Your start swimmer's going to body went away. There are like eight-year-olds that are five foot eleven, and you're like, okay, that's 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 where this this train's going to end right here. That dude has arms longer than my entire body. So I think Josh made me aware of this one time when we were on a spring tour after I went on like a thirty-minute diatribe about how how soft and how weak I think swimmers are. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I uh, just let him go. And I was like, so, Eddie, I used to love swimming. I was great at it. You know, it was all, like, one of the few things I've been good at in life, but thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, it's always like one of those things like, Man, my dad's an asshole. Well, my dad died four years ago. How do you feel about that, buddy? You, know, like, you have to let them just sink themselves into horrible awfulness. Oh, that's good stuff. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Unofficial 40 podcast. But hopefully we got a lot of your stuff uh, out about the recruiting situation right now at Oklahoma. Uh, coaches. Josh, you might just tell people coaches. Valuations are going on. Like I said, Lincoln Riley's and he tweeted out earlier that he was in New Orleans. But kind of give people a, a a look into what's going on right now with the recruiting evaluation period. Yeah, you know, for those that don't really follow it or don't know it that well yet, basically, coaches this time of year. I mean, and not just OU from every program in the country, they hit the road. They get chances to see these kids in person now. There's all sorts of rules about who, how they can contact and that sort of thing, so they kind of have to walk a fine line. But that's why you're seeing all these new offers go out. Oh, you might see a guy in February that they like on tape, but they haven't seen him in person. They might think, oh, he's a little short, or you know, I want to talk to his coaches. You know, they, they they may have reason to hesitate in offering that kid. Well, now they can go see that kid. They can talk to his head coach. They can talk to whoever they want to around the campus and get a feel for what that kid's like and make that offer. So. I think you're seeing, you know, we, we talked about a lot of Georgia offers. I thought it was interesting yesterday, and I know Joe talked to um, uh, one of the guys. Oh, you made a couple of junior college defensive line offers yesterday, which I think leads into some of the stuff that I've said here recently where I think Oklahoma is starting to soften uh, to the idea of taking another defensive tackle, but I hadn't seen it going in that direction. So, I mean, that tells you this stuff is always fluid. It's always moving. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. But I do think um, you're going to continue for the next 10 days or more to see more and more and more offers go out, not only in Georgia, but you'll see some in Texas. You'll probably I wouldn't be shocked if we hear, you know, Lincoln Riley made a few offers in New Orleans today. So that's that stuff's just going to continue to evolve because at any given time, Oklahoma is going to have five coaches at least on the road for the next week or two. All right, so we'll uh, keep you updated with that at Soonerscoop.com. Also, the uh, NFL draft coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got some features coming on that as well uh, throughout the rest of this week. And uh, we'll see. What I mean, podcast we haven't really talked about as a group, if we'll make this every couple of weeks uh, during the off season. Uh Maybe not so much so when we get up into the camp season, which we're kind of in right now. Uh, but OU's camps, we got the Rivals camps, we got the five-star camp coming up. Uh, all that stuff going through June. So there's going to be plenty to talk about, but uh, we'll see how the podcast... i tell you what, if you want to sponsor the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, feel free to uh, give us a shout. Uh, Murdoch at yahoo.com if you want. Uh, and then it'll definitely be every week. But if you're interested in sponsoring, do that. Then you can be sure of a podcast every week. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank Josh McQuistian. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Go uh, give us a rating if you don't mind. Appreciate all the the kind uh, reviews that we've had on there uh, as well. Uh, and uh, thanks to Eddie Radosevich, to Joe Duvall here in studio. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time on the Unofficial 40 Podcast. <laughs>